Empathy is a cornerstone of emotional intelligence, playing a critical role in building relationships and having effective communication. But what about digital empathy? How well does your bank, credit union, fintech emotionally connect with people through digital channels like your website, email, social media, and ads? In this episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast, we'll explore why digital empathy is crucial, especially considering that 85% of Americans experience financial stress impacting their mental, physical, and emotional well-being. Hi, this is Audrey Kanata. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Leadership Series on the Banking on Digital Growth podcast with James Robert Lay. Audrey, it is good to join you for another conversation. This is going to be a good one today. Absolutely. And before we get started talking digital empathy, what is going well for you personally or professionally? You know, what I'm really excited about professionally is we have 100% clarity as to where we are optimizing our banking on digital growth program. Um, We've received a lot of feedback over the past few years of what has created really, in some cases, exponential value. We've also taken a hard look into the things that we could let go of to continue to grow. And from the discussions, I'm very pumped and excited about the future that we're creating here together, both internally, but also with those that we're guiding on their digital growth journey. Absolutely. It is so exciting right now. You know, I'm happy to, we're both looking forward to uh, uh, thriving this next year with this, with this program. So recently you facilitated an entire keynote presentation around digital empathy, which is what we're going to focus on our conversation today. And, and I think it's interesting because empathy is a word that most of us are familiar with. And as chat GPT defined for me earlier today, Empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another person. It involves putting oneself in someone's shoes, so to speak, and experiencing their emotions, perspectives, and experiences from their point of view. But the term digital empathy is not quite talked about. Mm. So from your perspective, what exactly is digital empathy and why is it so important for us to be talking about right now? I'd say digital empathy is how we emotionally connect to establish and form relationships with people through the context of digital channels, i.e. your website, email, social media, even digital ads. Without digital empathy, our connections and our communication tend to trend to be more transactional and not transformational. So why is it more difficult to empathize digitally? I think many of us probably naturally so have the ability to empathize when, especially people that we have close relationships with. But when you have this, this digital, talk about those barriers there and and how we can probably overcome some of those. Well, I I think it it comes down to there are three different types of empathy that we have to consider when looking at the lens of digital empathy. There's cognitive empathy, so it's 
how we're thinking about other people and connecting with them. There's emotional empathy. So there's that deeper feeling aspect. And then there's compassionate empathy. It's the actions that we take to make an emotive and cognitive connection. Um, it's, It's the need to do something to help someone else. The challenge, though, is digitally, we might not feel like we have a connection with someone on the other side because we can't see them, we can't feel them, we can't touch them. But if we look at this through the lens of, okay, who's visiting our website? It's people. Who, who, who are we communicating with through our email? It's people. Who are we connecting with on social media? It's people. And every single person has two sides to them. They have questions and they have concerns. They have pains. They have problems. And on the flip side, they have hopes. They have dreams. They have a bigger future that they're wanting to create, but they're stuck battling the pains. They're stuck with the questions and they cannot move forward. If we lean into that part of the narrative, that is where we can extend and expand our our compassionate empathy going forward. And why do you think, why do you think people sometimes feel stuck? You know, you mentioned before that 85% of Americans feel stressed about money, which then leads to mental, physical, and emotional, you know, health that impacts you in all those areas. And I know, and I've shared with you before, you know, I went through a period of my time where I was extremely, I had a ton of financial anxiety, not so much stress, more anxiety, Um, A lot of things that were out of my control. And I can tell you, I lost sleep. You know, I wasn't as motivated uh, physically to exercise, which then affected my, my mental health. And there was a period of time where I just didn't do anything. I was kind of frozen. I didn't know what to do next. I was more just kind of reactive versus being proactive. Mm. Why do you think there are so many people who just feel stuck like I did? Or I mean, I have my own, you know, theory, but I'm curious to get your hypothesis on this idea of being paralyzed and and maybe not seeking help. Uh, well, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, particularly when it comes to money and finances, there's a lot of shame that's tied up into that financial experience. There's a lot of fear that's tied up into that. It's fear of the unknown. Like, what should I do? I don't, it's like, no one ever really taught me about this. Like, I understand the basics of, you know, spending and saving, but the idea of how my money can go and make money and work for me, that's a very scary thought because my parents got burned back in the 2000, 2008 financial services crisis. So that creates a, a fear. But if you think about like, okay, so there's shame, there's fear, it goes deeper than that because if you think about you know someone wanting to move beyond financial chaos and in achieve financial confidence there are there's one thing that stands in their way and there's one thing that holds them back there are roadblocks and those roadblocks are often the fears 
But I also think that there are anchors as well that keep them rooted to the past. And many times it's hard to perceive what those are to begin with in the first place, which is where this idea of, of digital empathy comes back into play. And even deeper than that, the idea of integrating financial coaching into the digital experience for financial brands and fintechs. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of times it's it's very natural as we we tie our financial health, our financial status to um it's it's a reflection of us. It's a it's a it's our status. How are we? It's it's a reflection of how successful we are. And so when we've got all these numbers, you mm. know, digits lined up on a credit card or we're in debt, it's we feel like it's a reflection of us and how how well we're doing in life. And I think one of the things that I've seen firsthand, you mentioned the idea of financial coaching. I've got a financial coach right now. And one of the biggest, I think, things that he does for me that that really I find a lot of value in is he just gives me hope. I mean, he looks at me and, you know, I walk in 100% feeling a little embarrassed, a little bit of shame. Like I've got a big old mountain to climb. And he's like, look, Audrey, you're going to be fine. There's ways to sort this out. This is not the end of the world. You can still do X, Y, and Z. You know, I thought when I went in there, I was going to get put on this, you know, strict budget, all the fun out the window. And he was like, no. You're going to be able to enjoy your life. We're going to make these small changes a little bit at a time, and you're going to get to where you need to go. And I cannot tell you just the relief I felt and, and not just the relief, but the excitement I had, you know, for the first time in probably over a year, I was excited about the future of my finances instead of terrified. Nothing really changed, just that perspective. And maybe that's why there's a, a bit of a digital empathy gap. Um, if we think about those working within financial services, particularly those say who might be on a leadership team, they could, and I don't know in, you know, for sure, 100%, but they could have a high level of financial competence that then translates into financial confidence. Mm -hmm. And so you have to look at the correlation between a person's competence and how that will impact or influence positively or negatively their level of confidence. So if they are looking at this as like, they feel secure, they feel financially healthy, but those who might be visiting their website, and this comes back to some of the research to where eight out of 10, nine out of 10 people in the United States are struggling with financial stress and anxiety, perhaps they might not just be able to connect with that feeling or emotion because they don't feel that themselves enter in empathy or digital empathy, being able to connect with them at a cognitive level with cognitive empathy, being able to connect with, with them through, through feeling and emotion with, with emotional empathy, but then transmuting that into compassionate empathy to where we don't only just understand where someone is, but we feel moved, we feel motivated to help them. And as a result, we need to adapt our own behaviors to meet people where they are. 
Yeah. And I think digging on that just a little bit further, it's the idea of the banker's brain and the consumer's brain. And these are two very different mm. ways of thinking or feeling, if you will. And, and neither one of them, I mean, there's nothing wrong with either one of them, but why is it important to be aware of these two different sides of the brain? And, and once we're aware of it, how can we use that to then transform our marketing, uh, you know, uh, our communication? And I saw a number and you might be able to help me out on this, but it was the empathy gap. The empathy gap is costing brands $15,000 per member. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? And then tie that back into this whole banker's brain and the consumer's brain? Yeah, so Bond AI did a study and what they looked at is is this gap, this empathy gap, and they were able to quantify that for a billion dollar asset institution, the empathy gap is costing the the relationships that they have with members and account holders around $1500 per member or $1500 per account holder. So there's a a very real quantifiable number, which is important to note of the cost of the empathy gap, particularly for those who look at the world through the lens of the banker's brain. The banker's brain is very smart, quantitative brain, analytical brain, deals with dollars, numbers. Um, On the flip side of the equation, though, is the consumer's brain. And I wrote about this in Banking on Digital Growth. And you talked about marketing communication and why we must be mindful. I think it goes beyond now just marketing communication, there's sales communications, but then there's also a leadership perspective here as well. Because if if we're looking at the world through our lens of the banker's brain and looking at dollars and cents, we're forgetting, it's easier to forget the emotive side of the consumer's brain. And that is where I would say the biggest growth opportunities are going forward into the future, particularly through the lens of digital empathy. It's it's being able to adapt our own perspective of the world, our belief systems and structures to once again, meet people where they are, which is possible when you think about EQ, emotional quotient or emotional intelligence. The science shows that EQ can be measured it can be benchmarked and it can be coached to increase EQ over time. The same is true, I would say, not just with EQ, but also DEQ, which would be digital EQ or digital emotional emotional quote, quotient. Okay, so we know that there's this gap, this, this digital empathy gap, and it, it largely stems from probably the two different types of thinking. It's a matter of perspective. Matter of perspective. Also your life experience, not being able to maybe have ever been in their shoes before. So what can we do? What can we do to, to bridge this, this digital empathy gap? What are some actually practical things that our listeners can do? I'd say there's a couple. Number one, so much discussion is being framed around right now that I'm hearing uh, of data, data, this data, that, and we have to remember there's nothing wrong with data, but data, data is just ones and zeros. If we forget that behind every data point is DNA, it's flesh and blood. Um, I think the other thing that we have to be mindful of basic relationship skills. 
when I ask financial brand leaders in workshops, well, what's at the foundation of every positive human relationship? And they respond 95% of the time, it's trust. And I go, you're on the right path, but there's something deeper than trust at the foundational level of every positive human relationship. And they're like, well, what's that? It's respect. Help me, the individual, the person, when I have a need, not when you, the financial brand, has a need. And, you know, before this financial dip, a lot of the needs of financial brands were loans. That conversation has shifted to now it's deposits. We must be mindful of where people are looking for help, where people are looking for hope, and then communicate cures and solutions into those problems. That's respect. That's digital empathy. At the pinnacle of the pyramid of human relationship, it's love. It's commitment. And we could have a philosophical discussion around the Greeks and how they had the five different levels of love. We can look at the book, The Five Love Languages. But what we're looking at with love is it's just commitment. And how do you get to that level in a, in, in a human relationship, whether that human relationship be face-to-face in the real world or it is digital? Now this is where trust comes back into play. So trust bridges the gap between respect and love or commitment. And trust is the sum of two things. It is what you say. It's what you do. It's words and it's actions. So therefore, digital empathy is a communication activity. Communication isn't just what you say, but it's also what you do as well. Yeah, I think, you know, the idea of communication and we talk a lot about narcissistic marketing, uh, you mm. know, talking about, you know, me, 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 I, 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 instead of what we can do for you. And and we have conducted just so many digital secret shopping studies where this, this still rings true. Just the other day, I was looking at, um, I was analyzing one and the user, the first thing they said about this, this one particular credit union's uh, website was, oh my gosh, within five seconds, I just feel like they're throwing all these products in my face. They're just selling to me. They just want me to buy something. And then we compared it to another credit union that we've, we've been working with, really particularly around this idea of um, communication and, and communicating help and hope. And immediately they go, wow, they, they're really here to help me. Like they, they really want to see me do well. And it's a matter of headlines and copy and text, you know, it's nothing, it's no big major overhaul. It's just being aware of that. So how can people tackle this, you know, just real couple short, easy things that people can do to tackle this narcissistic sales and marketing communication and and flip it around? Well, you know, what you're talking about with this digital shopping experience is an example of digital empathy, empathy experienced if you will, is when one knows or perceives that you know how they feel. And that's where leading and leaning into the pain points that people experience around money. So for example, buying a car doesn't have to feel stressful. Getting a home doesn't have to feel impossible. And I get a lot of pushback when 
recommending and advising, lead with the pain and then resolve the pain with your product. And a lot of financial brand leaders feel very uncomfortable with that because they're like, oh, well, that's just so negative. We don't want to lead with the negativity. I'm like, you can't deny the fact. You can't deny the fact that money is stressful. Money is confusing. And this is how people feel. And if you shy away from that, you're you're not meeting people where they are. So a lot of this exercise and perspective around digital empathy, like any type of transformation has to begin within. It starts within the organization and it's a matter of how we perceive ourselves as a leader, as a lender, as an advisor, how we perceive our organization at the macro level. Do we perceive ourselves as a hero who is trying to save people from financial disaster? If you are, I would caution you, you could probably be doing more harm than good. You are doing more harm than good from the research that we have done, from the digital secret shopping studies that we have facilitated. And that's where there's a question. What do you mean? We want to be the hero. Well, if you think about story and narrative, there can only be two heroes in a story. You have your protagonist and anytime the second hero is introduced, they are the antagonist. They are the anti-hero. And every single one of us walks around in our worldview of we're the hero in our own story. And so when a brand introduces themselves as the hero, a lot of times it's perceived, and it could be from a very good place, a lot of times it's perceived though as, back to your point with the secret shopping study is, well, they're just trying to sell me something. They're just trying to sell me something. The alternative though is to transform the internal mindset and perspective of how we view ourselves as a lender, leader, advisor, how we view ourselves as an organization, a banker, credit union, is we're not a hero. We're a helpful guide. Because every hero in every great story ever told needs a helpful guide, and not just a helpful guide, a helpful and empathetic guide who meets them where they are on their journey definitely challenges them to level up and gets them beyond the pain that they're experiencing the present moment to a bigger, better, brighter future. Guideship is key for digital empathy. That's a great point. And, and, you know, I think, of course, you know, generally speaking, we, we might think, Oh, I want to, you know, the hero, the hero is here to help and save the day. But the way you describe it in that perspective shift no, the hero is the individual. We just need someone to help guide them because the individual at the end of the day, they're still the one in the driver's seat. They're still the one making the choices and making the progress and getting those wins. Yes, They just need a little bit of guidance and coaching along the way. I think we all need that. Uh, James Robert, thank you so much for letting us dive into digital empathy and, and sharing all of your insights with us today. What is just one practical uh, action item that our listeners can take over the course of the, say the next 90 days. Two, one, two, two, and they build on each other Two, number one, look internally first and do a survey of your internal team across the organization. So if you've got a hundred people, 
ask 100 people. If you've got 1,000 people, ask 1,000 people. If you've got 10,000 people, ask 10,000 people. Why I should open an account or apply for a loan at your bank, at your credit union, or at your fintech? And it's an open-ended question. And let's see what they say. You take all of that data, run that through ChatGPT, and let ChatGPT find the patterns of the responses, and not just find the patterns, but more specifically find the perspective that people have how they perceive the brand, why someone should open an account or apply for a loan. I think you'll be very fascinated with the responses. Yep. And as a follow-up to that, look at your website objectively. And this is why digital secret shopping studies are so important because it's very hard to look at our own positioning objectively. We're too emotionally connected to how we communicate about ourselves. And truth be told, we have worked with outside advisors on our positioning in the way that we go to market yep. and, and we listen. Um, and sometimes it's hurt. It hurts. Sometimes it's painful. Absolutely. But when you look at your positioning and the way that you're communicating on your website, are you trying to be a helpful guide or are you really just trying to be a hero that is offering a solution to a mass market who might be called to action? And if you are, you're guilty of narcissistic marketing, but there's good news you can transform that perspective starting internally to become the helpful and empathetic guide. And then once that perspective is transformed internally, the way that you, you think about yourselves, the way that you perceive yourselves, you'll transform the way that you communicate to the marketplace. I love that. And I love that you said, you ended that with good news because, you know, we see that a lot in our digital seeker shopping study. Sometimes the results, the insights, the feedback, they don't feel good at mm. all but there's always a way forward. There's always a path forward. There's always a way to optimize and get even better. James Robert, thank you so much for this conversation. Audrey, thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. <laughs>